I want you to imagine for just a moment that you've left your house. It's early in the morning. You're going to work. And every single morning as you get out of the car, you park your car, and then you walk into the office, there's the same guy sitting right outside of the door every single day. And every single day, that guy is wanting the same thing. He's just wanting a dollar from you just to help out with some breakfast and some lunch, whatever it may be. Every single day, he's there. And he's done that for not even a week or not even a month or not even for a year, but he's done it year after year after year after year, and you know that he's in a wheelchair, and so he's just got his hat sitting there on the ground or his bucket, and, and you're putting in that dollar, and you're helping him out whenever you can, and you've got to know him by name. And every single time, you're like, hey, Frank, how are you? And I chose Frank because I don't think it's a Dutch name. I've never heard anybody Dutch who's Frank, so, so you got Frank right there, and he's walking in, and just as you do that, you're, oh, how you doing? You give them your dollar and, and you keep going. And it's years and years and years in the making. And then one day, it's a Wednesday morning. You drive to work, you get out of the car, you park it, and you start walking to the office. And there, all of a sudden, you look up and there's Frank. And there's music playing and he's just dancing. And he just starts to give everybody high five. And he's like, yeah, how are you doing? And you're going, wait a second. I didn't think you could walk. And he goes, I, I couldn't. But now I can. And so as soon as he says that, knowing that for years and years you've seen him in a wheelchair, unable to walk, and all of a sudden he can walk. But here's your response. You go, oh, okay, cool. And you go to work. No. That's not what you do. What do you do? Tell me how it happened. Because there, there was no surgery. You haven't been gone for months. Yesterday, I saw you sitting in a wheelchair, unable to move, and now today you're doing the jig. Like, what's going on? You're going to ask, aren't you? What's going on? Well, that's kind of what's taking place in Acts chapter 3. Right here in Acts chapter 3, a lame beggar is healed. And this is one of these guys that everybody knew. I think he must have had some charisma. It doesn't say the word charisma. But this is someone who's been there for so many years. And, I th and he's sitting there at the gate in, in Solomon's portico. And he's, he's one of these guys I think this is, is memorable. And so Pastor Jim was able to address that last week. And then all of a sudden what happens here, and it's in Acts chapter 3, 11 and following. This guy, after he has been healed, he's clinging to Peter and John. It tells us that in verse 11, Acts 3, verse 11. It says that he's clinging to Peter and John. Now this is important to recognize. This is the beginning of the New Testament church. And people had seen Jesus doing all these miracles for several years, but after several years, we also know what they did. What did they do? They crucified him. And then all of these rumors started to circulate because the body was gone. Now, yes, they had guarded the, the tomb and they had made sure everything was being done that needed to be done to make sure that his body could not be stolen. But all of a sudden, his body is gone. And then he starts to appear to different people. And as he's appearing to different people, people are going, oh, wait, that's Jesus. And the rumors start to spread and they recognize there's truth and reality to it. 
And for 40 days, he comes back and he spends that time here on earth before he ascends into heaven. And we find that in Acts chapter 1. And so all of this is unfolding. They saw his miracles. He returns. They see his ascension. They hear about his ascension. But they crucified this man. And now all of a sudden they're going, what's going to take place? Well, here's what took place. The disciples came together and they were given what? Holy Spirit to empower them, to lead them, to direct them. And as a result of that, the New Testament church started to spring up in powerful ways. We know that very quickly 3,000 people came to the Lord, another couple thousand. It says day by day, every single day, more and more people were coming to know him. And now what's starting to happen? Miracles as well. So they're going, wait, what? Frank couldn't walk and now Frank is dancing. And so here he is and he's clinging to Peter and John. And so all of the people understanding this because they're not going to just walk to their cubicle after they see this, are they? And so what are they? It says that they are all astounded by what's taking place. And so they ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people. So Peter recognized all these people are running in. They're not going to work. They're seeing this guy, right, at the temple. They're not even going to go do their normal routine. They're going, what's happening here? When you see a movement of God, when you see a transformation, what someone God has worked, don't you want to know how it happened? Tell me your story. That's why you see so many videos here at Chapel Point about stories of transformation. Because when you see God doing something amazing, you want to know the details of it. And by the way, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, you're one of those stories. You're one of those stories. And so Peter is seeing all this, and he addressed them. He says, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us? As though by our own power or pity, we have made him walk. So here's a lame man. He's been healed. People are running to see what's going on. Peter addresses the event. And Peter right away, Peter was bold. I told you the New Testament's all about being bold. Today, we're going to have to really think about how bold we are. Because here's Peter, and he begins to address this. And very quickly, he made sure, he made sure that the focus was on the glory of Jesus Christ right away. That's one of the first things we've got, we have got to learn this above anything else today, is that a transformed life focuses on the glory of Christ. We must get that above anything else today. Because here, instead of Peter trying to receive some of the glory, you know when you've done something and, and maybe people look at it and go, that's pretty cool. And, and you go, well, yeah, you know, other people helped out. But you try to give appreciation for others, but really you, really, you appreciate the, the recognition that you're getting. Peter didn't take any of it. Isn't that good? We're so quick to receive things for ourselves without going, yeah, but you don't understand. This was God. Anything you've accomplished in this life is because of the power and the goodness and the grace of Jesus. And here's Peter, and he's coming in right away, and he says, why are you staring at us? It's it's not by, by our own power 
or our own pity that we had on him that's made him walk. It's by what? The power of Jesus Christ. Are you giving attention to Jesus Christ in your own life? Or are you receiving all the accolades as much as possible? Are you making sure that you do that very thing? He, Peter's teaching us where his focus is. He's showing us where his focus is. And his focus never became on him. He, he made that mistake once, by the way. You remember that? Denying him three times? And he's like, never again, Jesus. Never again. And he doesn't even think probably Jesus could ever use him again. But Jesus says, you know what? Upon you, I'm going to build my church. That's what happens. And now he's giving all attention and he's giving all focus to Jesus. In your own life, are you really focusing on Jesus? Or when other people see you, is it blurry? Now, if you haven't noticed, I look, a little, I look smarter today. I told that to a couple of the elders. They said, no, just older. It keep me humble. A week ago, I struggled to be able to see the words in front of me. I can read everything. It's awesome. I wish I would have known they had glasses a long time ago. <laughs> but you have to look at the focus that you have in life. Like, is, do, do other people look at your life and go, man, with such clarity, he is laser focused on the goodness of Jesus Christ? Or they go, ah, I think they go to church. Or is it so blurry and so muddy and so murky that people aren't really sure? Where is your focus? Because a transformed life focuses on the glory of Jesus Christ. And what we find from Peter right away is that his focus was on Christ and not self. You see, that's one of the hardest things that we have to cope with in life is are we going to focus on us or are we going to focus on Christ? That's the question we have to ask. It's right there in front of you. You have to ask yourself the question, are you going to focus on Christ or self? Which one is that going to be? Are you going to give credit to Jesus or are you going to give it to yourself, the wrong person? And if you focus on you, you can't focus on Jesus. Now hear me say that. If you focus on you, you can't focus on Jesus. Isn't well, what do you mean? That means I can't move forward in life. I can't do anything for him. No, you need to recognize that every gift and talent and ability that you have comes from Jesus. And it's given to you for the purpose of giving glory and honor to Jesus Christ. Because when you focus on the wrong thing, everything gets blurry. Everything gets blurry. And you start to lose your way. When you start to focus on yourself more than Jesus Christ, all of a sudden you start getting on that slippery slope. You know that slippery slope that they always speak about, that mountain that once you stand on, it starts to get really slippery and you start to fall down and it's hard to start going the other way. I always speak about it in terms of a Jeep, right? When I first came here, um, I spoke about it with the elders. I said, guys, I think that God is just calling us to get dirtier and muddier than ever before to get into the community. It's going to be years in the making, but God is calling us to do this. And what we need to do is we need to push the, the Jeep. If we're a Jeep, we got to push it out of the mud. we got to just push, 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 and just keep pushing no matter what. Because if you're trying to push, even it's about to snow in like a week, right? So imagine there was no humor in that, unless that was from God. Um, so 
yeah, it's 75 today. It's going to be amazing. Next Sunday, it's supposed to be 12. And so it's going to snow, and all of a sudden, you're coming up Baldwin, and you've got your car up on that hill, and you're trying to get it, and you start to spin out because you're one of those naive Southerners who think that you can stop on a hillside in the snow. You've got to keep the car moving. I've learned. And so you keep the car moving, but as soon as it stops, to get it going again is almost impossible, isn't it? And so you have to keep it moving no matter what because otherwise you just it's too much energy. And so as soon as you start to focus on yourself rather than Christ, you start going backwards. You start going in the wrong direction. And all of your energy starts to be, starts to be given towards self rather than in Christ. It's one of our biggest problems today. Let's be realistic. That's one of our biggest problems is we don't know how to really focus on Jesus and not ourself because everything in our society says it's all about you. How much can I get for in my, my IRA? How much retirement can I get in terms of investment? How many weeks vacation can I have? How many days a week can I play golf? How many days a week can I have my me time and make sure that you take the kids so I can be by myself? And it's always me, 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 me. And you have to ask yourselves, where's your focus? Well, it continues on here. Amazing passage. He says, listen, it's not by our own power. He gives focus and attention to Jesus Christ. He says, it's the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac. Listen to all the different names that Jesus Christ right now is, is, is being called out. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant who? Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate. Now, you want to talk about bold. All these people are running in to see what happened. How is Frank dancing? And this is what he says to them. Listen, everybody in your past and in your history and in your family lineage has been continually denying our God. But you know what? He's glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate. Even when Pilate had decided to release him, you cried out, crucify him. You denied the holy and righteous one. What a way to refer to Jesus Christ. You denied the holy and the righteous one. And you asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Bold. Man, he was bold. Everybody's running in. What's going on? Well, here's what's going on. You know that very Savior that you have mocked and you crucified and you denied, even when Pilate said he was innocent, but you just kept chanting, crucify him, crucify, 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 crucify. That guy healed him. It's in his power and in his strength. Peter brings the focus right back to Jesus Christ. Boldness. Guys, sometimes I understand that it can be hard 
uh, to be bold, according to some people. We live in a pluralistic society, and you want to make sure that you're never offending anyone whatsoever. I get it. But I don't even think it's bold to speak about the love of God. Right? If you claim to know Jesus Christ, in the very least, he's done a, in the very least, he's done a spiritual healing in your life. Yes? Yes? Why? Because we're all sinners falling short of the glory of God. In the very least, he has done a spiritual miracle. There has been a spiritual awakening in your life. If you say, I am a believer in Jesus Christ. If you claim to be a believer in Jesus Christ, raise your hand. God has done a miracle in your life. Amen? Amen. I don't think it's bold to not speak about what God has done in your life. Was it bold for Frank to get up and start yelling, let me tell you what happened? Is that bold? No. He's just excited because he knows that God's done a mighty work in his life. And you know what? If you just raised your hand, that means God's done a mighty work in your life. It's not it. The thing is, we need to stop saying it's bold to share our faith when honestly it's called realistic if you've actually experienced the goodness of Jesus Christ. You cannot muzzle the heart of someone who's encountered the presence of the living God. I believe that the Bible conveys that if you don't speak the love of God, maybe you don't believe in the one true God. Because he's done a mighty work. Man. Well, it gets even better. Because he calls them out. He says, listen, the one who you crucified, the one that you murdered, the one that you killed, he's the one who did this. He's the one who did this. But you know what? In verse 16, he, he gives so much hope for us because he was able to not only focus on himself, he focused on Jesus, but then he began to focus on God's plan for redemption. He focused on God's plan for redemption. He says the following. He says, listen, and his name, verse 16, and his name, by faith in his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given this man perfect health in the presence of all of you. It's the redemption that's been promised. It's the redemption that's been offered. And he's the holy one. He's the just one. He's the prince of life. He says, yes, you killed him. But you know what? Verse 16, you don't have to worry. If you have faith, you too can be redeemed. You too can be redeemed. And so in verse 17, he goes, hey, and now, brothers, I know that you acted in in ignorance, as did also your rulers. You went with the flow. You did what everybody else was doing. You acted in ignorance. Your rulers acted in ignorance. But verse 18, but what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that this, his Christ, would suffer he thus fulfilled. And he calls out and he says, repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. 
that times of refreshing, this is such good news, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus. And so, yes, a transformed life focuses on the glory of Christ, but that means we have to focus on Christ. We have to focus on God's plan for redemption, but also that means that we have to recognize that God's word that we focus on brings repentance. He tells us, he says, repent. Repentance comes because God has convicted and we respond to that conviction through Holy Spirit and we say, yes, I want to repent. I want to focus on Jesus Christ. One of the things we must process is is that Jesus' gift of life doesn't mean that we're innocent. We're still guilty, but it does mean that we're pardoned. It does mean that we're pardoned. And whenever you know that you're guilty of something, and you're all guilty of sin, and yet you know that you've been pardoned from that sin, and the consequence of that sin, there is a rejoicing, there is a celebration that comes with that. That's why Frank was outside your office dancing. Can't wait to tell everybody what just took place. I've been a part of a miracle of God. And we see that happening. And so we need to focus on God's plan for redemption, yes, but we also need to focus on God's word that brings repentance. And he's telling them to do that. He says, This is what Christ has done, appointed for you, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Listen, you you acted in ignorance. You didn't do the right thing, but Christ can redeem you, and you can focus on God's word that brings repentance. Christ fulfilled all that was foretold by the prophets in verse 18. And over and over again, we hear about that very situation. And so we need to repent. We need to repent. And as a result of that repenting uh, and that, that freedom that comes in Christ, it says, and you can have times of refreshing. I want to stop here for just a moment. It's in recognizing the need for repentance. And once you do that through faith in Jesus Christ, that you can experience times of refreshing. But you will never experience times of refreshing if you've never repented before the Almighty God. It's in repenting. It's in calling out who Jesus Christ is and going, you know what, yeah, maybe I've acted in ignorance in my own personal life and and I've focused so much on myself and not Christ that that's what everything is about. But when you repent and you recognize who Jesus is, there is a time of refreshing that is to come. There's a time of refreshing that is to come and that can happen in your life. But there needs, Peter knew that the individuals who he was speaking with, they needed to have a time of honest reflection and they needed to hear who they were. They weren't innocent. 
They weren't innocent. And Peter knew that they needed to hear the truth. And so he was willing to speak the truth to them. Why? Because he knew that that was necessary for them to be able to repent and experience this time of refreshing that can come in acknowledging who Jesus Christ actually is. I mean, a very short and simple way to talk about what we desire for our church is that everybody truly focuses, truly focuses in on Jesus, in your family and in your life. There's a reason there's a spotlight right over there in the corner. Has anybody noticed that today? It's hard not to, isn't it? It's hard not to go, there's something different over there. It's a big, bright circle. I think Peter's letting them know that your life, your life will stand out that much if you're focused on Jesus. If you're focused on Jesus, you'll be able to know where you're going. He doesn't say the journey will be easy, but he's, that, that's the focus that you want to be able to have. That you want to be able to say, that's where I'm going, and that's who I am. That's who I'm running toward. Why? Because I'm not looking at me. I'm looking at Jesus. I want to have that type of focus when it comes to my prayer. That's why I'm asking you, pray for this church every day. Pray for your wife. Time it. Three minutes every day, you're going to pray for your spouse. Three minutes every day, you're going to time it, and you're going to pray that they would encounter the glory of God. You're going to pray for your job, your witness in your job every day for three minutes. Some of you are doing the math. I don't, that's nine minutes, Joel. Don't go too far. You're going to pray for your neighbor three minutes every day. You know what the Word of God says in the Beatitudes, Sermon on the Mount? Jesus Christ looks at him and he says, this is what I want you to do for your enemies. I want you to what for your enemies? Pray for them. What I've learned is people in my own life that I begin to pray for, my heart changes toward them. My heart changes toward them. No matter what they've done to me, my heart changes toward them. And so if we're to pray for our enemies, maybe we can pray for our neighbors. Maybe your neighbor is your enemy because they put that fence four inches onto your property line. Oh, what a temporary thing. very simple message. Peter brings it out so well in his boldness. He calls out to them in layman's terms, where are you focused? Where are you focused? Where are you focused? So you go to work, and all of a sudden, Frank is there, and he's dancing. He's doing a little jig. Would you walk to your office, or would you possibly start dancing with him?
I think Peter would have started dancing with him. I think Peter would have said, Jesus did that. Jesus did that. I just want to wave my hands and say, Jesus saved this. Jesus saved me. Jesus did a miracle in me. It was Jesus. It was Jesus. That's my focus. Will it be yours? God, we come before you in the name of Jesus. And we give you thanks. That we can focus on you. God, the message is so simple. That our focus needs to be on you and not ourselves. That our focus needs to be on your plan for redemption. That our focus needs to be on your word for repentance. Because it's in understanding that repentance that we can have times of refreshing in our own lives. And that we can even recognize the joy of a Savior that has done so much for us. Amen. Guys, I, I want you to do me a favor. Everybody, wave to the people right across from you. Go ahead. I'm coming up here. The reason I think that's important is this. Do you know how many times as believers we don't even wave to each other? You see, I believe God created the church so that we could be his family and his community together so that when we walk through life, we know that we're not with Frank by ourselves doing the jig. We got everybody else coming alongside of us and we're celebrating and worshiping and praising God together. We're not coming and just looking straight ahead at a wall. We're doing it as a community and as a body of believers. Isn't that the church? Isn't that the church? And some people don't like it. We know that some people, when we want to be that kind of church, they're just like, no, please, no, 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 no. I'm out. I'm going to go somewhere where I can slip in and slip out. Just hear me say this, whether I ever see you again or not, is this. Please hear me say this. God does not intend for it to be that way. He intends for us to love you in crazy ways, but you have to let us get to know you in order for us to know you and, and to know you so well to love you like that. He intended for his body of believers to be that intimate where they were celebrating together with Frank. They were dancing with Frank and they were having a party with Frank. They didn't care about who heard it because they were celebrating not their own power, their own strength, but the power of Jesus. That's the church. Their focus is solely on Jesus Christ. It's never on the preferences of a person. It's on the rule and the love of Jesus. That's the purpose of the church. That church will change everything. So I get so frustrated with thousands of people who say, oh, look at the thousands of people who are coming to worship Jesus Christ. We had 10,000 people Friday night at a concert. They were worshiping the Lord. No, you didn't. Because if we had 10,000 people worshiping Jesus Christ, this entire region changes. It changes. 
Please, I'm begging you to focus on Jesus and nothing else. Be aware of your life enough to rid yourself of anything that serves as a distraction to who Jesus is. That's the only thing that is eternal. Please, 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 let's focus on him. And let's worship him together. Would you stand?